This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free
embrace you. You are alive. That tomb is empty. And we praise you, God. You made a way where there was no way. The very ultimate sacrifice, the last sacrifice needed, God, for us to come direct to you. Sometimes we just bask in that. Sometimes there's just not a lot of words to say. But thank you. But thank you. Lord, we thank you. God, I thank you that you're changing the atmosphere of this beach. I thank you that you have a revival that's starting to unfold here. This morning we lift up every church, every pastor on this peninsula. God, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. And that team is you. We praise you. While we're right like this, prayer warriors, I ask you to come up and I know things might be a little out of sequence, but it always is. Just Holy Spirit moves. If you came here today with anything, you need prayer, you need to be healed, you need to know God personally. Well, you came to the right place. Father, move in this place. Move in this place. God, just move in this place. We lift up our kids and our grandkids in the powerful name of Jesus. We lift up moms and dads and family these prayer warriors have prayed before you even got here just praying that you would just be bold enough to step out here and be prayed for got a word that somebody here may be just living in fear or great doubt if you have fear it's time to come up here if you're fearful doubtful there's people here to pray with you if you need healing right here if you need a miraculous healing come right here time confess with your mouth believe in your heart and you'll be saved don't make it so hard and religious just tell them you're sorry tell them you've believed in him all along 
Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And the word says you'll be saved. You know what? Three times in the book of Mark, three different times, Jesus clearly would say something was going to happen. And then the disciples would say, oh, no, that's not going to happen. About his resurrection and his death. Three times. Let me read it to you. Let's start in Mark 8.31. Jesus will suffer, be rejected, killed, and will rise after three days. You know what Peter does? You know it? He rebukes him. He rebukes Jesus and says, I rebuke that. <laughs> Mark 9, 30 and 31. Jesus will be delivered, killed, and rise again in three days. It says the disciples do not understand the saying and are afraid to ask them any questions about it. Read your word. It's in there, Mark. Third time, Jesus will be delivered, condemned, mocked. I mean, uh, Mark again in 10, 33 and 34. Mocked and flogged and killed and rise up in three days. You know what James and John did? Hey, when you get there, can we sit by you? Last week, I explained um, the final days pretty clearly. I think we went day by day. And I want to continue that story with you today as we celebrate this Resurrection Day. I want you to know that exactly the details of this miraculous resurrection. I mean, I have, I hate to say I've studied because I know y'all have too, but, but it's in the details the truth, the way the Bible tells the story, all the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, reading the prophets, reading all how it should be, taking every section of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John and piecing them together. One will tell one little story, one will tell the other one, and you have to piece it all together. So today we look closer at the resurrection accounts in the, only in the New Testament because, like I said, no gospel presents all of it. Paul talks about it too, and Acts too is powerful. But here's the truth. After many trials, our Lord was sentenced to death. He was crucified at the third hour of the day. Then something so sad happens. Darkness came. At the sixth hour of the day, which was noon, darkness fell across the whole land. Now, he, he was crucified at 9 a.m., but at noon, darkness came. He was dying on the cross at this time. The sun was gone. God made everything dark for three hours. Imagine it. Imagine it. Three hours. You're going to sit in the dark for three minutes. Just be still. Imagine him on that cross for three hours. Beaten, blood, 
three hours, no sun. He can't look at his mom. He can't look at John. No one can see. It's been about one minute and that seems long for you. Think about three hours. Hanging on a cross with a crown of thorns shoved on your head. It said you were thirsty and they'd give you vinegar. It's been about two minutes for you. Three hours and death is so near. Gurgling. Pushing up on his feet just a little bit to get a little breath. But his feet are nailed to that cross so tight. How long has it been, Pam? We have 25 seconds. He was in the dark for three hours. You just sat here for three minutes. And you're wondering when the lights are going to come on. I just want you to get the smallest of taste what Jesus went through. so alone dying and suddenly something happened that was just absolutely unreal there was a curtain in the sanctuary the sanctuary of the temple and it was torn down the middle from top to bottom that's crucial you know that Then Jesus shouted. Scripture said he shouted. He said, Scripture said in a loud voice. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. Luke 23, 44 through 46, it said it was about noon. And darkness came over the whole land. So everybody was in the dark for three hours going What's going on? I wonder what's going on. Why did the lanterns go out? Scripture said the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. No other place on the planet was holier than that temple. Because I'm telling you, Herod had expanded it and it changed a lot from when Solomon had it. It was a grand place. 
So let's talk about that curtain. When we think of a curtain, we think of uh, just drapes in your house. I don't have any curtains in my house, but I think of mom's curtains all orangey looking. When we think of curtains or drapes, we think of just those. We're not talking about those. Because the curtain in the temple was nothing like that. Jewish writers said it was 60 feet long, 20 feet wide, and higher than this. And the thickness of that curtain was four inches, the size of a, of a hand, four inches thick. Such a curtain could never have been torn by, by any person. It took 300 people to put it up. The Bible says there's all kinds of special hooks and kind of, it was so heavy that the way to hang it. Matthew said it was torn from the top down, signifying that God had done what only God could do. He ripped it from where he was to the floor when Jesus died. You see, this curtain had a purpose. And it served as protection against the uh, people slipping into the most holy place. Because they kept this real presence of God in the back of the temple. Surrounded by a curtain. Because no one, Exodus said, no one can even look at God because he, he was a consuming fire. There were so many religious rules about all that. You know how I feel about religion. There were so many rules that only one man could enter the Holy of Holies. He could only enter the most holy place one day a year on the Day of Atonement. It was that day. He had to wear special garments, special clothes. But he couldn't enter without the blood of a sacrifice. So one day a year, he has the blood of a goat, changes in these priestly garments, and he goes behind that curtain. He had to sprinkle the blood on the golden mercy seat that was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, which contained several things. One was the Ten Commandments, but it was the very presence of God. Everything about this whole temple screamed, don't come in. Everything about it said, stay away. You got to be very special to go behind this curtain. It takes a lot of preparation. You're not qualified to come in here on your own. It was as the temple itself was a giant roadblock, making sure that no one could come into God's presence uninvited. And now it was torn half in two. Know that that curtain didn't just fall. No, it was a big deal. I would imagine when that curtain fell, now this is just me imagining and picturing the weight of the curtain, how big it was. When it fell in that temple, I would imagine that these columns shook. I would imagine the candles that were on the pedestals fell off. 
I imagine things started breaking and shaking and moving. This was a huge curtain that fell. Because this veil separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Because the ark of the covenant, the very presence of God was kept behind that veil. And now the holy of holies all of a sudden was open for everyone to see. The curtain fell. Jesus had just died. Jesus shouted as though he wanted everyone to hear that he was entrusting his spirit to God. He died in God's perfect timing after three hours of dark. He was laying down his own life of his own accord and he was laying it down in the precise time God had ordained since he laid the foundations of the earth. Jesus' sacrifice did so much more than what we think and read. When that curtain tore, it made it possible for us to go straight in to God the Father. Our sins no longer separated us from that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That torn curtain and his final words made a believer immediately immediately have access to his full presence. They didn't have to go through uh, some goat blood to get there. We don't have to dress up in priestly garments of begging the priest. When you go in on one time a year, could you please? No. That curtain fell for us to go right in on our own. There was no more barrier there. Father, thank you for tearing apart the curtain that separated us from your very presence, from your very glory. Thank you for giving Holy Spirit to us. Thank you for dwelling in every believer and giving us the giving us everlasting life with you. The forever plan was for Jesus to be resurrected on that third day. And it was his plan for that veil to be ripped. So we could go on in from now on by ourselves. This is huge. I hope you fully understand what I'm trying to say. Because we talk about the resurrection and he's risen and yes, all that. And we're going to continue that. But know that when that humongous curtain fell, the presence of God is exposed. People were probably going, throw something over it. Oh, my God. All the priests were probably running. Oh, my gosh. The people that knew were probably walking toward it going, finally, finally I get to go in here. Bring it on. Bring on the presence of God. I've been wanting to come in here all my life, but I had to come and go through the motions and buy a goat or a lamb or a bird and bring it here and stay in the streets. And now I'm in. I imagine they were falling on their faces. Can't believe that that curtain was down. Thank you, Jesus. You made a way where there wasn't any other way. So let's continue this story. 
But not in detail because I want you to read it for yourself. Read about that veil. It's not a big part, but man, it changed everything when I started studying it. Wednesday, Jesus was crucified and died around 3 p.m. There was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, good and upright man. Don't you like it when the Bible says, a good and upright man? Who was not consented to the decision and action. He didn't like what they were all doing. He came from Judea, the town of Amathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Now, this isn't in Scripture, but I want to tell you, when Joseph walked up to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body after what just happened in that town, I'm not sure, but Pilate probably said, whoa, yeah, take it. Whoa, take it, because we know who he was now. So he gave Jesus' body to him. So then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in the tomb, cut in the rock that no one had ever laid in. Thursday is the first day of the biblical feast of the unleavened bread. It's described as a day of preparation. So we're Wednesday night, daylight portion of Thursday. That was the first three days. Friday, the high day, annual Sabbath, now passed. The women walked in with prepared spices for anointing his body, which would start at sunset. Sunday, the women rested. It was Sabbath. I mean, Saturday, according to the fourth commandment. Jesus rose near sunset. I would think the ladies probably went down there a little early with the spices to find out there's a rock in front. We can't even go in there. On Sunday, the Bible says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake. After what they just saw, I'm thinking a violent earthquake. was. I'd be like, what else? You know, what else? That doesn't shake me. Because I have the spices, I'm going in. They had been through and seen so much. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven going into the tomb, rolled back the stone. And not only did he roll back the stone, you know what he did? He sat on it. He probably had that look that Molly has. He rolled back the tomb and sat on the stone. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook like because they became like dead men, I bet so. Like, whoa. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he says, sitting on that tomb rock. If he was from Huxley, he'd say, he ain't here. He ain't here. He said, he's not here, he's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then he go quickly and tell the disciples, he said, he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you'll see him, now I've told you. So the women hurried away, reading right out of the Bible in verse 8. He said, they ran away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met him and said, 
Looks like he would have said something just miraculous. He's standing there, meets the ladies. He said, greetings. <laughs> greetings. He said, they came to him, clasped their feet and worshipped him. He said, they clasped his feet. They didn't even throw their arms around him. They grabbed his feet and began to worship him. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they'll see me there. You know, this story never ends, but it goes on and on. Read it for yourself. There's so much meat in the word. So I'm still in Matthew 28 and said that 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And here, Jeff Brandon, is your favorite scripture, what he says next. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the, and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am will Surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. I mean, first time he sees them, he said, y'all go. You've seen it all already. You heard me for three years. I've taught and taught and taught. Go. This is a beautiful story, folks. This is a beautiful story. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price of sin. Thank you for tearing apart that curtain where you made a way where there's no way. You paid the price. We can enter into your presence, not just that church. We can enter into your presence in our cars. That's a novel idea. At our home, walking this gorgeous beach, wherever you are, you can enter into his presence. You don't have to have a sacrifice. He made a way where there was no other way. Thank you for giving us the power of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for dwelling with every believer with that guarantee of everlasting life. After that, Jesus stayed many days with them, taught them so much stuff. I may talk about that next week. He's risen. But His Spirit dwells he may be risen and yes he is but his spirit holy spirit dwells so where does he dwell in us he dwells in us it's good stuff right here i listen to a lot of prophets and Friday, I was listening to Dutch Sheets, and he couldn't even get through his, his talk. He was crying. You flip to some other person, and this was Friday. The prophets know that something's going on in the atmosphere. You flip it to somebody else, and they're a mess, crying, saying such powerful words. I'm telling you, the prophet's right now 
are blown away by the thick presence of God. That's yours to tap into. That's yours to tap into. We have been praying for the atmosphere on this beach to change for months. Well, I'm here to declare that the atmosphere at this beach is changing. Is changing. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. You made a way that we can just enter into your presence. We don't need a preacher. We don't need some direction from some big religious person. We just say, God, I just want to talk to you about something. I just got to tell you something. I'm a mess. God, I just want to tell you, I thank you. You can have any conversation you need to with the creator of the universe. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, because that veil is torn and we have direct access. We praise you, Lord. Romans 6, 4. He was raised so we too might walk in the newness of life. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I'm in Hebrews 6. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where our four, see it says we get to go behind the curtain. You see you would just gloss over that scripture going, oh, okay, I must be a little curtain or something. Now you know when you read scripture when it says it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. I'm in Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. He has become the high priest now forever. It doesn't take a high priest. He is the high priest. Get that in your spirit. That's what Hebrews 10 means when it says that Jesus opened a way for us through that curtain. By his death and the cross, he tore down the wall that stood between God and us. Now we have access to God anytime. Through the blood of Jesus, I have instant access to the throne of God. That means I can come anytime, anywhere, as often as I like, for any reason at all. And my heavenly father doesn't say, stop right here. You're not holy enough. He said, be waiting on you. Let's talk. This is good. Hallelujah. He left the Holy Spirit for us. Hallelujah. I can't get that word off my mind. Hallelujah. A crown of thorns placed on his head He knew that he would soon be dead He said, did you forget me, Father, did you? 
prepared to die Then lifted his face up to the sky Said I am coming home now Father to you A reed which held his final sip Was gently lifted to his lips He drank his last and gave his soul to glory The soldier who had used his sword to pierce the body of our Lord said truly this was Jesus Christ our Savior. He looked with fear upon his sword then turned to face his Christ and Lord fell to his knees crying Took from his head the thorny crown and wrapped him in a linen gown, then laid him down to rest inside the tomb. The holes in his hands, his feet inside. Three days went by, again they came to move the stone to bless the slain with oil and spice anointing, hallelujah. But as they went to move the stone, they saw that they were not alone, for Jesus Christ has so good Lord if there's people in here that don't know you help them find that spot that you've made because the failed is gone 
and they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart and you add them to the kingdom thank you so much in Jesus name happy resurrection day today it's great seeing you we'll see you next week God bless Happy day.